This is Work of the Beat. It is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Mike Kern will join me in a little bit as we go over some things uh, in our second half of the segment. Um, we'll go over to Philly's trade deadline, uh, which obviously a lot of moves, a lot of moves to fill things from Dave Dombrowski and company. The question is, are they enough in the loaded National League? And at the end, we will um, both share some thoughts on the great Vince Scully, who passed away on uh, on went on Tuesday night um, at the age of 94, the voice of the uh, of baseball, really, but especially the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, but our guest today, and I'm excited to say this, uh, he is beginning the wrap-up phase of his his retirement tour uh, with football coming. He is retiring at the end of the year after hemming or hosting uh, the WIP Morning Show since 1989. Uh, and I wanted to get his thoughts on everything as we get towards the end here, um, mainly about his career, too, uh, kind of where he sees himself going after retirement uh, and what he sees from the industry going forward. Uh, it's Angelo Cataldi, and uh, he has been kind with me in the past, and he's been kind enough to join us again for a third time here on this podcast. So right now, let's go right to it. It's Angelo Cataldi on Working the Beat. Well, since 1989, hundreds of thousands, I would say, of Philadelphians and millions at times have woken up to this voice uh, with a little Rhode Island accent, uh, but always entertaining, uh, always fun, and always informative. He has the best interviews, by the way, in Philadelphia radio. He does. Whenever he gets guests on, it's the best interviews and uh, he's been a friend of this show. This is his third appearance. This is his farewell appearance in a way because this will be his retirement, uh, pre-retirement appearance. It is great to have on the show once again, Angelo Cataldi. Angelo, how are you? Kevin, thank you. As always, it's uh, great to talk to you. You're one of the greats as far as I'm concerned. Uh, first question. I mean, a couple of weeks ago you're at the Phillies and you throw out the first pitch and you're in the radio booth. And you're having these moments now where people it's it's a farewell tour. And, and I say this on the day Vince, on the day we're all mourning Vince Scully when Scully went through it. He talked about how uncomfortable he was. Um, how uncomfortable are you by this? I am. I'm very. In fact, I even had a chance to talk to Ray Dinger near the end because, man, what a retirement tour he had. He was everywhere doing everything. And I said, Ray. It's not really what we did all these years. This is, you know, it's great. I mean, it's wonderful to have all these people tell you what you meant to them. But um, I'm uncomfortable with any of that. I'm, I'm, I'm awful in social settings. And what I fear in these final months is that there's going to be parties and these kind of events. And I've already told management, please, as few of these as possible, because what I do on the air is separate from all that other stuff. And I'm not, I feel confident when I'm on the air doing my show. I'm not all that confident with any of this other stuff. It's not, it's not what I did. It's not what it's about. It's about is having a job that they pay you well for that you love. And all this other stuff is great and I appreciate it, but it's not why I did it or what I'm in it for. Why do you feel more comfortable on the air than 
than in a social setting off. I mean, you're, you're speaking to more people on the air. Yeah, but it's a persona I have. And I'm con- I've created that persona over 33 years of doing every day on the radio. When I'm off the air, when I'm at a social setting, when I'm in a cocktail party, um, that person doesn't exist. Every once in a while, it, it will come out. Like, people start asking me sports questions. And, and all of a sudden, you can almost see that my personality changes into what my wife calls the radio guy. And the radio guy can handle that stuff fine. Uh, you hear me in exchanges with callers. It's very natural. It's very smooth. Take me off the air. Put me in a social setting. And I'm fumbling and bumbling. I, I'm not confident in that setting at all. When did Radio Guy start? 1988 um, was the first sign of it when Al Morgani got us the job with the morning sports page at WRP when they were just looking for people um, to fill their hours because there weren't enough sports broadcasters then. And it evolved. I mean, in that era, uh, first couple of years, I was the expert who was dissecting Eagles defenses and stuff like that. And then over time, more the personality crept out or the persona, not necessarily my actual personality, although it's got to be an aspect of it, but just the persona you credit. And then it evolves over time. And there are periods in this 33 years where I was crass and obnoxious, I'm sure influenced by Howard Stern, and then less so because the public didn't want that much anymore to kind of now like grandpa. You know, the guy that still has, I I still have all these sports opinions, but a lot of them are um, are being transplanted by time, social media, things now. It's a whole different world than it was when I first created this persona. Are you as interested in sports as you were at the beginning? Yeah, and I shouldn't be. You'd think it would have been over for me, but I realized that the one thing after I'm done, that will sustain me will be my love of sports. I still love it. It still frustrates the heck out of me more now than ever. But if it's a Sunday afternoon, there's not a thing you could do to get me away from those football games. I love that stuff. So that love, that's what got me into it. And that will take me to the grave, I'm sure. But I mean, and and I ask that because I found myself now that I'm stepped away a little bit. Mm. There's more jadedness about the state of the game, the distance that has been put between fans and and players and organizations, Um, you know, and and it's tougher. It's tougher to dedicate a portion of your life when you have other things in your life that pull you away. And you have a tough schedule because, you know, there are nights you can't see the end of games. You have to watch it basically in your show prep the next day uh, Mm -hmm. when you get to the station, right? Here's the, you're 100% right, and, and I'm more jaded now than I've ever been. I'm really dissatisfied with baseball. I'm frustrated by the way the NFL is run, uh, the way they can uh, embrace uh, somebody like Deshaun Watson. I just, you know, mm. part of your, Here's the bottom line, though. I don't take drugs. My drug is when my team wins. Yeah. I don't get much better feelings than when the Phillies or the Eagles or the Sixers win a big game. It's still there. That hasn't left me, Kevin, and I don't think that will. 
glad you didn't mention the Flyers because they haven't won a big game in about 15 years. I, you know what? They lost me a while ago. But you know what? <laughs> Tortorella might bring me back some because he's flamboyant and fun. And that might bring me back. But they're not really part of the equation right now. Do you know your last day? Do you know right now when your last day is going to be? No. In fact, we just um, – we've been talking about this for a couple of months. And I finally just said to my boss, I said, listen – it's going to be weird for me to start an Eagle season and not know if I'm going to be there at the end. I'm willing to stay until the week they're eliminated in case they make the playoffs. And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know my last day, and the Eagles will decide that. Now, if they're bad this year, I'm done around Christmas. You're not, you're not coming bad. back. You're not coming back for the uh, January 1st game against... <laughs> It is the January 1st game. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, my plan is whenever the last Eagles game is, that will be my last week. I'll finish out whatever week that is and then right off into the sunset. Do you have an idea? You had mentioned on the show that an announcement was coming about your successor. Yeah. Um, do you know when that will be? And do you know who the successor is? Yeah. It'll def- I don't know who it is, and it'll definitely be in July. Uh oh! It's, it's August. August. <laughs> <laughs> they told me I could say on the air that the announcement would be in July, and then I reminded them at the end of July that there had been no announcement, and they said it's coming, it's coming. I don't, I don't know. I haven't been part of that process, nor would I want to be, because um, that's not my job. I was never a program director, and I'm glad I don't have to make the decision because when somebody's been in one job this long. Whoever takes over is going to be a transition period. It's going to be an adjustment for the listeners. And um, whoever that is, I will do everything I can to support without actually going on the air. When, I, when, when it's my last day, Kevin, you won't hear me again on WIP or any other I, I was just going to say, because we had Miss Anelli on last week, yeah. and Mike said he may be done with traditional radio, okay? Yeah. Um, and I want to ask you about him in a second, but he's left open the idea of a podcast. He's obviously doing this now Eagles post game show. Are you, is your voice gone the minute you leave or could you see yourself doing a once a week podcast? Could you see yourself? No, no? Uh, except I'm doing one. All right. <laughs> but this will give you an example of where I'm trying to steer this. Um, Jay Black, my TV guy, yeah. uh, a few months ago came to me, and he, I just love television. The only thing I love as much as sports is television. And he said, I want to do a podcast, and I want you as a regular guest. That's like every week. right? And it's the only thing I've committed to because I it's something I've not really done much of, and it sounds like it would be fun. The only things I plan to commit to are fun and different. Something I haven't done before. I don't think coming on a show once a week or doing a podcast. Now, I may change my mind. I may three months into retirement, Kevin, I might go, I need a voice. I need somebody. I need to say something. I hope not. I hope not. I hope I turn the page entirely and just do stuff that I find fun and different. And that's my, that's really, that's the only plan I have. I'm going to write a memoir. Right. That's the one other thing I've locked in. I'm going to write about these 33 years of what it's like to be with um, the most passionate fans in sports. That I do want to do. I don't know if it'll lead to anything. It might just be an exercise for my grandkids. But um, that and this TV podcast, 
are the only things I've committed to beyond the end of this calendar year. Do you worry about boredom in retirement? At this moment in time, I embrace it. Okay. I, um, the idea at 71 years old to get up and do the show that we still do, I still do four days a week, is reaching a point of, of, of almost overwhelming me. It's Because um, I still will program every segment. I know exactly what I want to do. That's a lot of work every day to have that show up and ready and scripted before we go on with it. And um, I could, I'll, I'll be honest with you right now. If they talk me into doing one more year, I would not have made it through the year if I had to do five-day weeks. Okay. Couldn't do it. I can do two days in a row, take a big break on Wednesday, come back on Thursday, do two more. I feel like I'm hitting the same level of quality I did in the best years. I'm not compromising that at all. But I I wake up in the morning at 3 o'clock, and I get a feeling now, wow, i got to climb that mountain again. Well, i got to do it tomorrow. And I used to run into you when I would come in with Big Daddy. And yep. you would be there at 4 o'clock, and you would, be, you would have a notepad. You would etch it out. Wechter would come in, I think, 4.15, and you guys yep. would etch it out. And – it, it, it is like I almost feel like some people have to see the behind the scenes sometimes on something like that to appreciate all the work that goes in at a ridiculous hour. This isn't like a 10 o'clock show where you get up, have a morning cup of coffee at eight and you can start planning. And people think that's what it is. I, I, I want to say this. I'm so proud to say this, Kevin. I put the pad away a couple of years ago. Really? I, I now use a laptop. Imagine that. <laughs> But you're right. It's um, and you could do it the other way. Maybe it'll still be good. Maybe you're really good at that stuff. To me, I have to know what I'm doing all the time, and then allow for spontaneity. If something great happens, you gotta get away from your script, but you gotta have it just in case. And more days than not, I use it. So I gotta have it. And I always say it's like two hours of prep for every hour on the air. So it's eight hours of prep for a four hour show. That's a 12 hour day. Yeah. I brought up Miss Anelli's name and you saw the way it ended for Mike. And look, oh, sure. you, you and Mike, I'm sure have had battles over the years. Um, Mike did a morning show against you for a while. Um, but Mike also, when he was on this last week, talked about the respect he had for everything you've done. Were you surprised by the way it ended for him? Over at 97? Yeah, I was. I've even reached out to him. I have nothing but respect for Mike. Mike's a great talent who's done an amazing job in this business. And even though we had some moments along the way, um, it shouldn't end that way for somebody who had that kind of a career. And, and, and I don't think it has to. I mean, if he wants another job, he's still extremely relevant and extremely good at what he does. That's always your fear. You go... I did all these years and then they just discard you. And I don't think it was respectful to him. I don't think it was right. I don't know the in, internal politics of it. I'm pleased that never, I never had to face that. Um, he didn't deserve it. None of us do. You know, Mike is one of the first wave of newspaper guys that went into this business. And he chartered a course for a lot of people, including me. We were colleagues on WIP. I was mornings. He was afternoons. I learned from him. He learned from me. Um, come on. Show a little more respect in that. You know, I, no, I don't, I don't like the way that was handled. 
Right. And, and I reached out to him and said, Mike, this isn't right. And um, because I'm evil, I then invited him immediately on my show. <laughs> and he probably couldn't do it with contract, right? Exactly. You knew that before I did, Kev. He said, I got a non-compete. I can't do it for three months. I said, that's okay. I'm here for five. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I'm going to still try to bug him to come on. So October, he, so October, he he'll be a, back. <laughs> he needs a bow. He needs to take a bow and go, thank you. For, you know, the crowd needs to come to him and say, Mike, thank you. You gave us 30 years of phenomenal entertainment and great sports conversation. He needs a final bow unless he wants to keep doing it. If he wants to keep doing it, hey, I tell my bosses to hire him. I love him. I think he's great. Um, you, uh, the which brings me to the state of business. You mentioned about the newspaper wave. It was you and Mac now, and and Morgani and all and Missinelli. That doesn't happen anymore. It, it, it's been replaced, and, and I'm not saying that's good or bad because there are some newspaper people who are very boring on the air. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it, you know, it's not always uh, it's as much showmanship as it is about you know the information you're given. Um, but do you ever? I mean, do you think the state of business on your end is as good or is at a good spot right now? Um, I, uh, the actual business of radio is not my field. I don't know. I know that podcasts, I know there are a lot of other things now that can occupy somebody in their car on their way to work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we have, we have a bigger fight to do. I think it's kind of to our advantage in Philadelphia that people still, at least our core audience is still totally traditional and wanting to hear opinions every day on what's going on and mix it in with some entertainment. But we, I got to say, Kevin, we're still trying that all these years later. We added to our show in the past year, Marcus Hayes. Hayes. And, very, and, Silsky, very, and Silsky coming and over Mike now. Silsky's yeah. working on the weekends now. So we're still trying to do it. But would they head a show? Would they start it? I guess if they emerged, if they showed they could do it, yeah, there's still a spot for that. But it's harder now because there's the field when we did it, when Glenn and me and Mike and, and Al, when we came in, it was so limited. It, what else? They didn't, Kevin, when they started a format, they didn't have the people to put in it. Yeah. They started a sports format, and they looked around, and they went, right, who are the sports people in Philadelphia? Steve Fredericks, Howard Eskin. No, wait, we got 24 hours to fill. Bill what Campbell. Bill Campbell was the other Bill one. Bill Campbell. Right? Bring guys in who still want to dabble in it, who still want to do a little bit with it. Now, over years, a new generation have come in of guys who do it and are primarily this. But that took a long time. And even now, the number one thing is you have to be provocative. You have to be interesting. And if a columnist is that way, he could still translate. And you mentioned about being provocative. And you mentioned in another podcast interview about the cancel culture and being afraid of that uh, yeah. and, and having to watch, especially in the last five years, yeah. what you were saying. You mentioned how, I th I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Wing Bowl was a victim of that era um, yes and, and also there was a shift to intercom at that point as well from cbs um, it, was, it was going either way how difficult is it to do this job in this atmosphere right now where one bad comment whether you intend it or not can can set everything off yeah and i'm constantly editing myself more than i ever did before um 
I, I we used to have a, a regular caller named Kim the lesbian. Right. We had but Joe Conklin did characters that were ethnic mm-hmm. and kind of stereotypical. Those camps, I mean, you have to adjust as you go along. But the problem we deal with now is it might only be one comment and it might seem innocent when you say it. But if the comment is attached to a pressure group that decides to target you, it becomes a question of how strong will the corporation behind you stand up for you? Or will understand that it's worth sacrificing somebody to placate that niche audience. And that wasn't here 30 years ago. It wasn't here 20, maybe not even 10. And yeah, so when you're on the air now, when you're treading on an area, when we're getting near politics or we're getting near um, transsexual stuff like the the Villanova swimmer, people like that. The pen swimmer, right. The pen swimmer, I'm sorry. We are, um, we're tiptoeing. We're constantly tiptoeing. I'm much happier when I can just rip O'Double Herrera or rip some other guy. That's my common ground. But sometimes you have to deal with what's happening in the headlines that day, and that's dangerous. Yeah, you might have to deal with a dangerous issue. And especially in the last five, six years where it's five. been a, a steady diet of that. Very much so. And it could still happen. It could still happen. What do you think is going to happen to your partners when you're, when you're gone? What do you think is going to happen to Al and Maria and Jonesy mm-hmm. and, and all them? And how much do you worry about that? I worry a lot about it because... The way I try to rationalize this, hey, I, I hung him until 71. I'm not abandoning you guys. I went a long way here. And you can all do it on your own. Great. You don't need me. You've all, Al established himself in this business before I did. Mm-hmm. But Al is also a Hall of Fame hockey writer who still his preoccupation is hockey. He'll decide what he wants to do. Will it be on our show? I don't make that decision. I'm not sure what they'll do about that. Rhea, um, I don't see that Rhea would ever leave whatever job she wants at WIP because she's the backbone of our show. She does all the heavy lifting behind the scene. She, I can't tell you how many times she has bailed me out because she's filling in the gaps of what I no longer can do. She's just amazing. So, and they love her at WIP. I believe me right now, if anything, she might be running the place in five years as she should. Um, Jonesy, that's the hardest one. He's got a lot of other careers. Yeah, between the Flyers, between TNT. Yeah, yeah. he's a network guy. Does he still want to schlep back and get in? He's in before five on the days he works. Does he want to keep doing that? If he does, man, oh, man, I'd find a spot for him. He's not a funnier athlete in our city ever than Keith Jones. And where do you find athletes who can give you strong comment on sports and a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. I would find each one of them. That's why I said each one of them stands alone. They don't need me. And I don't want to leave out my producer, Joe Wack. And Joe, I was the just going to mention Joe. Show. The son of a show is Joe. Joe's firing sound effects. Joe's setting up who's calling next and who's coming on and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I don't know what to say about him because if they decide they want the show to sound differently, they don't want to make it sound like it's just the same show without me there then do they want a different producer to do that? Um, Look, they're all amazing. We all stayed together. 
every one of us has been together well over 20 years and some of us as much as 30, but they're going to do great. And I have a debt to all, you know, they kept me going a lot longer than I would have. The competition factor. Did you care about ratings? I mean, ratings are how you're judged. I get it. But like you and Kincaid for a long time have been buddies. Yeah. And you and you and John don't say negative stuff about each other on the air. Mm-mm. At all. Never would. Never would. Um, but there have been others who have kind of taken a run at you, and it's been pretty evident yeah. that, that there's, I mean, Howard's one, I think it's fair to say. Right? Miss Sinelli did it for a while. Yeah. I mean. Joe Conklin worked with Miss Sinelli and did it. Over on, uh, yeah. Their show that was competing with that show. It was yeah. on MMR, right. Every And you know what? That was the kind of the prototype that Stern did. Yeah, Stern took over markets by attacking the guy who was challenging. That never made sense to me. It, it obviously worked for Stern, yeah. but it was like, why am I acknowledging my competition, thereby giving them more gravitas? Why would I do that? So I've never, I've never mentioned any of my competition. Do I have? I mean, John Kincaid was probably my best guest ever. Right. Uh, right now, he's the competition. In a few months. Um, he will be able to fend for how he does against somebody new. And and I think that's fair to John. Um, no, I ratings, hell, if ratings don't matter to you, then how much you get paid doesn't matter to you. How long you last doesn't matter to you. Of course they matter to you. But what I learned pretty early on is you could have a great quarter and it not come out in the ratings and you could have a mediocre one and suddenly you look like you're great. It's not all that predictable. It's less predictable than you'd like. And being a complete control freak, somewhere along the way, probably in the first 10 years, I was able to tune it out enough so that it never affected what I was doing in a show. You've mentioned Stern a couple times. Yeah. And did you, how active were you in listening to Stern? Obviously, it's at the same time, but, I mean, were you, were you somebody who took notes on what Stern... I don't want to say got away with, but the show structure that was very there. I mean, Rhea in a lot of ways is a lot like Robin is with, with, for you. And, and, you know, yeah, like, uh, yeah, here's the thing. All right. Um, I was very aware of what he's doing, what he was doing because he kicked my ass in every way. <laughs> That's true. And everyone else's. All right. So I knew what he was doing and I understood that there's never been anyone who did morning radio more effectively than Howard Stern. So I was aware of it. And there's no way on earth it did not in some way affect the way we did our show. Since if everyone's listening to him, maybe I did a little bit of that, I'd get more people to listen to me. But I didn't listen to it actively every day. Um, But there was so much written up about it, and so much of it went viral, that I did get to hear how he did it. Um, You introduced me as being um, a very good interviewer. He is a great interviewer. His interviews and, are outstanding. You know, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that I did have training in that, and I did understand how good he was at that, and I think that affected me. That made me pay closer attention to doing a good interview, to really making sure you ask the right questions. And um, we were more abrasive, more obnoxious, because he was a competition for, without, a, without question. But... Um, but if we ever tried to do what he did, we'd be dead. Because you're, you're, you're a cheap copy. You can't. 
No one does it as well as he does, so you can't. Is there an interview you wish you've had? Is there somebody out there who you haven't interviewed that you wish you could? Wow. Um, yeah. All right. And, and I did interview him 25 years ago. The owner of the Eagles, Jeff Lurie. We've been their flagship station forever and ever. We've had, we've, we've made fun of him. We've been, but you know what? We have helped to generate great interest in his team. We have supported his cha- uh, charities. Mm-hmm as strenuously as you could. We have been a great partner. And for 25 years, he's ghosted us. And there are a lot of questions I would like to ask him. For example, when you came to Philadelphia, did you think there wouldn't be a sports station that would rip you when you did something that wasn't right? Did you want a kinder, gentler radio station when you came to a city that is neither kind nor gentle? You know, those kind of questions, because he's a very intelligent guy. And, you know, he owed us more than he gave us in terms of his accessibility. He owed us something. He owed, his wife, his ex-wife came on several times with us. It was a great interview. Um, the fact that all these years later, he still has never seen fit to go on the show that carries his games at least with us. I don't think he's been on any of the other shows either. It's to me small. He should, he should have done more than he did. It's part of your responsibility as an owner to once in a while go on your flagship station and talk to the fans. Is that the Joe Banner influence maybe from the earlier days? Oh, without a doubt, Joe tainted the waters. But Joe's been gone a long time now. Okay? Joe's, Joe's four, and, 13, you know, 12, 13 years right. he's been gone, right? And we almost, we tried a couple of years ago, we did try. We hadn't tried in many, many years because we had been told, you know, back channel that he wanted nothing to do with us. But um, we'll keep trying. I'll still try one more time before it's over. Yeah, because you've had John Middleton in your studio. And, I mean, you've had, you know, you had, you've had Ed Snyder on the air, I remember, in the early days. uh, Many times. And um, wasn't always pleasant. Harris, Harris. Harris is not a real owner. He's a hedge fund operator. He, Harris, Harris has no real insight into what's going on with the team. Larry's in the office every day running the Eagles. Yeah. He has a lot he could tell us. Doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. Really tries to control the environment in which he speaks to the point where it is not in keeping with the best interests of the fans that love his team. So we mentioned Miss Nelly earlier. You mentioned Ray. Gardner's going to be leaving at the end of the year. Mm. Um, you know, you can even go Hurricane Schwartz if you want to go down that road. Yeah, I would. He's great. Yeah, he was great. Um, you're part of a retirement class that's pretty damn good. Um, well, I started it, Kevin. I want you to know my. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> but then I took a year to leave, and all these other guys announced and left while I was still doing it. But yeah, <laughs> you know what? It just shows you we all get old. That's all it says. We all got old. But it's pretty remarkable that, you know, not being from here, that people don't view the Rhode Island stuff anymore. That, that, you know, in in the most territorial city in America. I mean, this place, look, we both love Tom McCarthy, right? Yes. Tom gets crap because he's not Harry still. I know. Yeah. Wrongly. Tom's great. Um, yeah. it's, it's just, it's kind of weird that 
you're well beyond that. How did you get beyond that? It's real simple. And, and every one of those names you mentioned, we all had careers that are way longer than the norm mm -hmm. because of the people who are watching us on TV and listening to us on radio. The level of loyalty in this city is amazing. Harry Kaus has been gone now. 15 years, close to 15 13, years. 13. 13, 13 years. Um, he's still beloved. Yeah. He's a, and McCarthy is a terrific announcer, but they still love the guy they grew up with. They love all these people that I see now when I'm out and, you know, we're, we're out doing a remote or something. I always say, I grew up listening to you. And it's like, well, mm -hmm. that's great. Um, but you're still listening to me and you're in your 50s now. Thank you. I'm, four, I'm 48, Angelo. I'm 48. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, Kev, it's like, wow, thank you. I think I would have gotten sick of me by now, but I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> you know, the loyalty, it's amazing. Angelo Cataldi has been our guest on this work in the beat. Uh, Angelo, I did grow up with you. Uh, I went to, I went to high school listening to you. I went to college listening to you. I've been honored to talk to talk to you all these years uh, as a guest and everything. And uh, whatever you do do in retirement, I, I I hope it's for you and Gail and the family. It, it's nothing but the best. And uh, you know, Kev, I'm going to make a new exception here. So I'm going to do this TV podcast. I'm going to write this book. And if Kevin Cooney invites me on his podcast when I'm retired, I'm probably going to say yes to that too. I, How's that? I appreciate that. I, I, I definitely, You've always been a great guest with us. You're awesome. Uh, Angelo, I appreciate it. And we'll be back on Working the Beat right after this. All right. Thanks to Angelo Cataldi for joining us and uh, appreciate him taking some time and interesting conversation. And now, of course, another interesting conversation as usual. It's Mr. Kern. How are you, Mike? How are, how are things? Hey, it's August already. Yes. When you when you get old, yes, your I'm, life flashes in front of you. Yeah, I'm very aware. It's August. Thank you. No, I'm telling you, the older you get, the, the the clock of life seems to run faster, especially in the summer. I mean, it's August. I, I mean, that's not possible, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm three weeks away from going back to school, so. Yep. So is my wife. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the trade deadline and Mike at the back end. I want to bring up the name Vin Scully, and uh, obviously that's been the topic of the day and for most of sports and because of his impact. But let's start with the Phillies. Uh, Noah Syndergaard and Brandon Marsh and Dave Robertson are the three additions. In reality, um. The one guy they lose is Logan O'Hoppy because Moniak wasn't going to be a part of anything here. Um, you know, and the other kid is kind of a, a project down the road who ended up going to uh, going to uh, the Cubs for Robertson. Uh, what was your initial impression yesterday when the deadline passed? Well, it was clear that they weren't going to give up their who they viewed to be their top pitching prospect. And I can respect that because their minor league system isn't that good. So when you get some guys that you think could be good in a couple of years, you know, I think – but the question is, will they ever be good or not? I, I don't know. Um, 
I think getting rid of Aduble and Familia is a plus, although people said they had a good presence in the clubhouse. So, look, I think today as we sit here, the Phillies improved their team by how much I don't know. Mm-hmm. And did they improve it enough to make a difference? I don't know. Uh, because the teams that they're competing against probably, barring something unforeseen, the, the, yeah, the Phillies winning 20 of 25 or something goofy. They're not going to catch the Braves. They're not going to catch the Mets in all likelihood. Right. The Dodgers are off in their own little whatever, and the Central, whoever wins the Central. So there's there's three teams. I don't. I think the Giants are done. Uh, so there's three teams fighting for two spots, and one of them just went out and got Soto. Yeah. And um, so, okay. And the Cardinals and the Phillies have – the easiest schedules are two of the easiest schedules remaining. So, well, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what to make of it all. And they're getting, and look, they could be getting, they're going to be getting Segura back, we think. Going to be getting Harper soon. back. May get Harper back. Yeah, so, you're going to have Segura by the weekend, probably. Yeah. And you probably have Harper, you know, by early September. Now, you know, what do you get the MVP Harper or do you get the just pretty good Harper? But any Harper, you know, and then they're going to have to shuffle their lineup at that point. Somebody's going to have to sit somewhere. Well, I would imagine Didi is probably going to be the one that sits, and Derek Hall probably end up going back to Lehigh Valley. Right. But what I'm saying is I don't – you obviously improve your club with Segura and Harper, but again, does Castellanos become your DH? Does – um, you know, especially if he's still not hitting, would the Phillies have the balls – to not play him after signing him for $20 million if you didn't think he made your team better? I don't, I don't think, know. I don't think that's going to happen. I, right. I would think. Well, that's what I'm saying is, so is if Bryce is your DH. Right. Which I'm assuming he is, well. Right. Castellanos will play right, and they'll have Schwerber play left. I get, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean. But like you said, Hall will not be in the lineup. But no, that, but, but Hall may be the left-handed bat off the bench, and maybe somebody like Gregorius is the one who gets end up getting released. Uh, well, Stott will probably be your shortstop. I'm assuming. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like the 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 the, the thing is with their with their juggling. I don't think you send Bryce and Stott back. If you're going to get rid of anybody, I think it's going to be Didi Gregorius. And what yeah. we've seen, what we saw yesterday was, Dave Dombrowski was willing to. You talk about the clubhouse chemistry with Herrera and Familia, uh, but he was willing to admit on Familia a mistake. I mean, he paid him decent money this offseason and admitted the mistake and got rid of him. People make mistakes. Yeah. And so, and look, Herrera was making about 1.6, I think. So hey, Castellanos not, might turn out to be a mistake. Right. Or, or at least for this season. I don't. Right. You know, and, I don't and, know. and with Gregorius, they don't have anything long term. So the contract's almost paid yeah. off. So if you do yeah. get rid of him and you're not going to play him, that's fine too. I. You know, the one thing, if you lined up what they needed coming into yesterday, okay, they need a starting pitcher. And would I prefer Carlos Rodon with the, with the Giants as opposed to Syndergaard? Sure, but it was probably going to cost you more. And maybe the Giants aren't giving up yet. The Giants kind of in that half-in, half-out. They, they no, they can't give up because they won 90-some no. games. Look, this is the bottom line. The season started with you not making the playoffs for a decade. The mandate was make the playoffs. That's why they went out and got Schwarber. That's why they went out and got Castellanos. Okay, I get it. Then they have to fire the manager because it's not working. Are are they a better team right now than they were at this point yeah. last year? Sure, yes, they, they are. are. But is it good enough? We don't know that. 
And like all the other contenders, or most of the contenders, I'm sure the Cardinals have some questions that I'm just not aware of because I don't follow the Cardinals. Li- Cardinals lineup's not good. But, uh, but, okay, but the Phillies have lots of questions. Uh-huh. You know, are they are they going to hit? Is Castellanos going to hit at some point? Um, is Harper going to come back? Is Harper or just, you know, a good player? Same with Segura. Uh, is Noah going to take a dive in September like he has for the last couple of years? Is Wheeler innings going to catch up to him like they did last year? But that's on. Uh, but Mike, and I'll stop you right here because that's on the players at this point. The general manager has given them the tools. Oh, I'm not saying it's. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm just saying all you ask from a general manager is to make the moves to fill the holes that are visible. No, this isn't about them. This isn't about the general manager. All I'm saying is, as a fan base, we don't care anymore whose fault it is. You just want to see this team make the playoffs, and there's still a chance they may not because one team isn't going to make it. Okay? And they could be the team that doesn't make it. So. All I'm saying is I don't know what Syndergaard's going to do in his 10 starts with the Phillies or his 11 starts. Or his I have no idea. Right. He is starting, play, he is starting on Thursday night. 11, well, they play the Nationals 11 times. So you better win like nine of those games. Yeah. Um, do they or do they win seven? I mean, you know, do they lose games to the Marlins that they shouldn't lose? I I don't have the answers. Yeah, Does Castellanos hit three 300 in September? But, the rest of the but remember, they also have all seven against the Reds. Uh, they have, I mean, their their schedule is, and I get that the, the Cardinals and the Brewers are going to. And by the way, throw the Brewers in that mix because you don't know if the Brewers are going to stay in. No, the I, some teams going to win the Central, Central and the other teams. the other team is going to be what who the Phillies have to slug out. Yeah, um, I, I mean, there are. I, I, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of did the GM give them a chance and the and give the manager a chance? Their bullpen should be really deep right now. With Robertson coming in, if he stays healthy, Robertson's been really good for the Cubs this year. And if yes. and, and it's a good rental and they didn't pay much. Um, you know, I'm fascinated by the Marsh trade. Um and I heard people complaining yesterday about, well, you traded Ohapi, he's maybe your third best prospect in your system. Best position player, blah, 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 blah. He wasn't going to play here. He wasn't, unless you were going to hold him for four years. And that Part of this, too, Kevin, is you, you can't just look at it. You, you've got to look at the offseason. Yeah. You know, what are they going to have to do in the offseason? So you don't want to go into the offseason with five question marks if you can go in with three. So maybe they look at this guy as he's their Brandon, center fielder. And Brandon Marsh is signed under control for three right. more years. But here's the whole thing is this. Look. If they don't make the playoffs, let's say they miss by whatever, sure. game, two games, somebody's going to look back and let's say one of these pitchers that the Cardinals got or the Pi or somebody got who maybe goes five and one down the stretch, if Syndergaard goes two and four, and they're going to sit there and say, well, see, you should have traded one of those pitchers to get. That's the bottom line in all this. It doesn't matter if you think Dombrowski did a good job, didn't do a good job, should have traded for better, it doesn't matter. If they make the playoffs, then everybody will say it was great. If they don't make the playoffs, they'll say, well, you could have done more. So, and then the other thing is in this town, people can say all they want. I just want to get to the playoffs. No, 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 no. When they get to the playoffs, if they don't win, at least they round in the playoffs, people will be bitching because it's Philadelphia and that's the way it is. So, 
it's not just about making the playoffs. I agree. When you haven't been there in a decade, yes, playoff baseballs, but it was like the Eagles last year. You know, just make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be great. Then he made the playoffs, and everybody hit the world, had him beating the Bucs, and they lost by 30. And, and I'll, I'll agree with you, Mike, on this point, too. Everybody is projecting that, okay, if you make the playoffs as the third wild card, which they're most likely, if they do make the playoffs, that's where they would go. Well, they could be. They could be. Decide. Do, do you know how the playoffs work, Kevin? Do you understand this? Yeah. Okay. So the lowest ranked division winner. Two teams get buys, correct? Two teams get buys. Okay. So the lowest remaining division winner would play the number three wild card. Right. So three in this, versus six. Three right. versus six, four versus five. And what what is the series? What best, best of the three, three? Best of three all in the home park of Oh. Oh, so you don't get a home you game. You don't get a home game. Oh, okay. 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 Which means right now it's Padres dot uh Padres Braves in a th- in a best of three in Atlanta. Okay, what about the four five? Is that all at the all No, no, the that's that's the four five. Right now the no, four no, no, no. But what I'm saying to you is in the four five series, it's also all three games in one park. Yep. Okay. Okay. So right now the Phillies will play the Phillies being the division winner. And by the way, one thing to keep in mind here no more tiebreaker games to get a playoff spot. Okay? Right, they got the tiebreaker over the Cardinals. And they have the tiebreaker over the Cardinals, and they do have the tiebreaker over the Brewers and the Padres. So yeah. they're pretty good in, on tiebreakers at this point. Yeah, um, but that only matters if you end in a tie. In a tie. Right. Uh, the one thing, if you're a Phillies fan, you're looking and going, okay, if we're third, we'll end up probably playing Milwaukee. That's not a bad matchup for the Phillies. So you're right. I agree with what you're saying. You see what you're doing already? No, no. You see what you're doing? No, no, but this is how Philadelphia... See, Philadelphia talks out of both sides well, of its mouth. Mike, what I'm saying is I agree with what you're saying, that if they make the playoffs, people are going to look at that matchup and go, you know what, that's a winnable series, and that's where I think there is pressure to get through. Kevin, I agree. it wouldn't matter if it's a winnable series or not. Well, I'm if they were playing right the now, Dodgers, I don't think anybody would think it's a winnable the series. Dodgers. Unless they're playing the, or the Mets. Right now, or the if Mets. They're the, if they're playing the Mets... The Braves, any other team but the Dodgers. Kevin, they played Tampa Bay last year with Tom Brady. Now, did I miss something here? Tom flipping Brady. And yet there was people that week who were trying to tell you. Now, I agree that the Eagles had a 10 or 15% chance to win that game because it's an NFL game. It's Tom Brady. The game was over after eight minutes. But people were telling you that, oh, my God, we could have, because we own Tom Brady because we beat him in the Super Bowl. Please. Mike, I would say, though, I'll throw one exception. I agree with you that people will think, because they played the Braves pretty tough so far this year. The Phillies they will, can beat the Braves. Hold on. I'm not saying they no, can. No, 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 no. But I think that the mindset would be different if it was the Mets. Because mm-hmm. with the Mets in a best of three series, and it's not going to be this way, probably. You're not, Kevin. Mike, you're, let me finish. You're, forget, you're forgetting your heritage. Let me finish. They don't. They would not be able to. I think people would be realistic that they couldn't beat Scherzer and the Grom in a Scherzer. And you know what they're going to tell you? And here's what they're going to tell you, Kevin. This is where you're missing it. They'll tell you, we got Wheeler and Noah. And, you know, it's not. It's, the same. it's not. It doesn't matter, Kevin. It's a baseball game. I know. Anybody I'm just saying it's not the same. You're telling me that Wheeler and the Grom, or Wheeler and Scherzer, if they went out in game one of a series, Wheeler couldn't win that game? Are you serious? 
thing. Yeah, Scherzer might win three okay. or five or three or four. How, how about the Grom Nola? You want to take that Kevin, matchup? You're not, now, Kevin, you're, you're talking. You're, you're talking. See, this is the problem. Sometimes you're talking too much in terms of the Grom can't be beat. Of course, he can be beat. Is he the Grom? Sure, but it's baseball. The Washington Nats won a World Series. The Braves won a World Series last year. Both as wild card teams. They won games they weren't supposed to win. All I'm saying is people in Philadelphia will analyze that series, and I'm not saying they couldn't beat the Mets. I'm just saying be realistic, but they won't be because it's Philadelphia, and they'll sit there and have them beating every team possible except for the Dodgers because they'll sit there and go, okay, we'll give you the fact that the Dodgers are really good. And then they'll go out in game one and win, and they'll say, see, we're beating the Dodgers. So I've been down this road way too many times, Kevin. I understand how it works. And is it possible? Sure, it's possible. While, you know, when wild card teams have won two of the last three years, how can I sit here and say it's not possible? Yeah. But, but again, it, it, you know, it's, it's Philadelphians will get carried away instead of just trying to say, hey, we got a shot. You know, let's go. And, and, and if it works out, hey, let's get to the next series and see what awaits us there. And, you know, but that's not you know, the way it works. So let me, let me, let me, we were pointing out different points in their lineup, right? I'm looking at the lineup, Bonner lineup tonight, by the way, or this afternoon, they're playing as we're going on. We're recording this portion of it at two 30 in the afternoon. And, uh, the it's in the eighth inning, Mike, it's, it, it's in the middle of the eighth inning. So it is like one of the pitching. <laughs> Wheeler, <laughs> Wheeler, and Charlie Morton are are doing a throwback game here. Are they winning? No, they're down one nothing. Okay, but the bottom three in their lineup is Bryson Stott, Matt Veerling, Didi Gregorius. Batting yeah. averages one ninety seven, two thirty seven, two eleven. Their yeah. slugging percentage three sixteen, three twenty nine, three oh five. That's not good enough. Well, let me ask you a question: If you're Veer, if you're Veerling, how do you feel about that trade? Well, you're probably re- okay being a reserve. Yeah, but I hate still, saying it because you're collecting a major league paycheck. But if the Phillies hadn't made that trade, you, the job would have been yours pretty much to win or uh, lose. Or do, I, I think I think they knew. Probably, yeah. Probably they knew that they had to have an upgrade. They're, they're, what was the one? I, I I put a stat out there last week when I was working for Gelston on Wednesday. Their center fielders had like an on base percentage of like two forty. No, but and this has been a problem for like five or six or seven years. But the problem was with the double. Here was the whole problem. First of all, they had nobody else because they had five number one draft picks who couldn't bombed out. But a double would do something good. He would hit a couple home runs. He was the ultimate tease. Yeah, exactly. And then he and then he misrun the bases or he wouldn't run the bases or he'd mess up a fly in center and he'd get all over him. Then he'd hit a home run. You know, I know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that was just a problem. But again, what you're saying today is my example. Who's to say that Wheeler couldn't go out and beat the Grom in a two to one game? Now, you know, it happens. It's baseball. By the way, it's it's one one now. I should I, yeah, that's I fine. Take that back. And, and and you know, if the Phillies win today, oh look, look, every game they're going to play from here till whenever is a playoff game. It is. You want even the- when they're playing the Nats, even when they're playing the Reds, they're they're all playoff games because they all count. You want the best sign, by the way, for this lineup, and before obviously you get Segura and Harper back. JT Romuto is starting to find his power stroke a little bit, and Alec yeah. Bo- Alec Bohm's been out of this world good since and the beginning of July. Castellanos has been hitting a little. Castellanos is is hitting singles, but he's hit he's yeah, he's, he's hitting getting on base. 
Uh, you probably would like something different. By the way, it's now 3-1. <laughs> what the hell's going Castellanos. I just said this. Castellanos hit a home run. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is, you know, this is what this team is. It it's wacky. It's a little weird. It's a weird. This year. is who, this is what the Phillies are. Oh yeah. In a nutshell, they go and lose three games to the Cubs at home, and the next weekend win four at Pittsburgh. That's who the Phillies are. And by you don't the, have to go any further than that. That's who they are. And by the way, I, I I'm going to make two bold predictions, and this is for the off season more than right now, obviously because the trade deadline's passed. You're going to see one of those three kids in this rotation at the start of next year. I think, Probably, yeah. I think I think they held on because they know that they're going to go this way. Well, they're going to get the chance. But, I mean, look, I hate to put it this way, but Aaron Noah is probably pitching, not pitching for his job, but he's pitching for his reputation or he's pitching for whatever. Oh, absolutely, in the next two months. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh-huh. now if he doesn't pitch well, does that mean they're going to trade him? Does that mean anybody's going to want him? I, I don't have those answers, but – Again, I think their pitching staff. I'm, I I don't think you can count on Eflin. I don't know if you can count on well Eflin. Eflin I don't see Eflin being back here next year. I don't. Right, but he's good. You don't or do? I don't. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I don't know what Suarez is. I think he's a, a capable he's four or five a, starter. I, he could be a three, but eh. maybe. But but he is who he is. Um, Gibson, I don't know. I, well, Gibson's a free agent. Well. Gibson's a free oh, agent. Oh, he's a free agent. agent. Okay, yeah. well then, yes. And some of those kids, are, or you're going to have to go out and trade for a pitcher. So they're going to have to backlog. They're going to probably put the kids in the back end and try to try to make it work. I wouldn't be surprised if they sign somebody like Syndergaard to a, if he pitches well this last two months, if he gets a one or two year deal at a fairly affordable rate, and then they go with one. Well, that's if Cindergard wants to sign here for uh, a fairly right. I mean, you're making if Cindergard pitches well from now till the end of the year, and the Phillies make the playoffs, and God forbid, like win a series. Yeah, but I, there was Cindergaard not a market. Is, there was not he, a market for him yesterday. If the, yeah, Kevin, Kevin, you didn't listen to what I just said. If okay. he pitches well the last month and a half, two months, there could and be. the Phillies yeah. getting the plus, his stock will go way up. And somebody, all it takes is one other team that wants to give him more money than the Phillies want to give him. That's all. The second part of that, I am absolutely convinced they're going after Trey Turner in the offseason. Yeah, but the the rumor was that so were the, um, oh, um. The Mets. Now, there was a couple teams. Yeah, there was, the Phillies aren't going to get Trey Turner because the teams that he was rumored are some of the teams that spend like real money. I don't know if it was the Yankees. Phillies are number four in spending, so but I get it. Yeah, num- yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Or Dodgers, there's, there's Yankees, some, yeah. yeah. I there, get there it. Some, were Trey Turner's on the Dodgers now, right? Yes. Right, and then because the rumor was that the Dodgers are going to go after the Brave shortstop um, because to reunite him with um, uh, Freeman. Right. And then that, that would make Trey Turner expendable. And there, I, I, I don't know. If, who's the Yankees shortstop right now? Uh... That's a good question. Is that LeMayu or is that not LeMayu? No, LeMayu? He's, he's second base right now. I think the Yankees were the team that I uh, that I saw that. Um, but, but you know, I mean, every got buddy is going to the Yankees. So, you know. Yeah, they have uh, Connor Falafa there. Yeah. And at some point, and I don't know all the specifics, at some point the Phillies just can't keep spending a lot of money on all these players. Well, yeah, but if you're going to – if okay, you got Marshall's controllable in center. 
You're already kind of locked in on your salaries for right, left, and DH. You're probably going to try to go a little cheaper at first if you're going to let if you're going to look at trade in Hoskins. Um, I I I just think Turner and especially defensively, Turner would be a huge upgrade. Well, yeah, I I understand that, but you got a right fielder who makes a ton. Yeah, you got another outfielder, two other outfielders who make a pretty good buck, a catcher who makes a pretty good buck. That's four guys. Wheeler's making a pretty good buck. Mm-hmm. Noah's, I mean, I mean, at some point. But they're also losing Segura's money, and they're going to replace him with Stott, who's on his rookie contract. You know, okay. and, and, they're, and they're losing Gregorius's money. And, and again, if God forbid they don't make the playoffs this year after going over the salary cap, I'm not sure Mr. Middleton's going to be, like, real happy with going out and then signing another guy to $20 million a year contract. But that's just me. Um, could be well, it could be. And they might have to get a starting pit. Like, you know, you're talk- we, we can talk about all this we want about get this guy, this guy, this guy. It's a mm-hmm. great theory. I'm with you. But at some point, you will be over to, you know, if, as long as you're okay with constantly being over the threshold. Well, there, there's usually like a four. I think now in the CBA, it's a four-year window where you get hit with like a double tax or something if you're over the luxury. So, because we saw the Yankees pull back and the Dodgers pull back to get under for a year and then go back over. I just noted if they make the playoffs, they won't care. Well, if they make the playoffs and lose in the first round, maybe they'll care a little. But if they make the playoffs, yeah, but it ends that conversation, and that is right. But if they don't make the playoffs, then it becomes a very real conversation because then, if you're over again next year, and let's say God forbid you don't make it next year, and all of a sudden the owner's sitting there going, "Hey, wait a minute. Well, what am I spending all this money for?" Yeah, but you're also in a division right now with the Mets, with the deep pocket owner and Steve Cohen. You got the Braves who have set their team up. It looks like for the next five years. Yeah, but but again, Kevin, you got to make a decision at some point. I know you either got to say, yeah, I, the owner is the one guy getting hit with all this luxury tax, whatever. So if you're making the playoffs, that's fine. If you're not making the playoffs, you, you know, at, at some point you got to say, well, wait a minute, we're doing what everybody tells us to do, and it ain't working. working. So, you know, so I want to pivot in our final minutes here. Um, obviously, last night, uh, Vin Scully passing away at 94, uh, the longtime voice of the Dodgers, but really the voice of baseball because he did NBC's Game of the Week, uh, did 25 World Series, called three perfect games. Um, and it was interesting watching some of the tributes. Let's say the, the two things I should point out, Scully also had, it, this is a little trivia, and Mike, you would, you may remember this. Back in 1980, when the Phillies won the World Series, um, Harry Callis and Rich Ashburn and the Phillies broadcasters were not allowed to do any broadcast. They were not allowed no. to do radio back in 1980. Yeah. And Scully had the radio call, and I tried to find it this morning, and I couldn't, of Tug McGraw striking out Willie Wilson to end it. So Scully's voice is attached to that, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know him, Mike, I'm sure... You know, he did the Masters as well, correct, for CBS for a while? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Um, the the catch with Dwight Clark uh, and Joe yeah. Montana, I mean. Yeah. Hey, I mean, look, he's Vin Scully. I mean, like, you know, you, you'll, you'll love this. So I'm listening to Jody Mack last night on WIP. Some guy calls in, whatever. He says, yeah, he goes, I heard, and he's trying to explain that Vin Scully called the last game at Connie Mack Stadium. 
And no. Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. And Sandy Koufax was pitching, and in the booth it was him, uh, Allen, the two Yankee announcers. Um, Mel Red, Allen. Red and, Barber. Um, yeah. And first of all, Sandy Koufax pitched his last game in 1966, not 1970. Right. The last game at the Connie Mac was, was against the, the Expos. So I don't know what this guy was trying to say, but Joe and Jody was like kind of buying it. You know, he was like, oh, well, you know, I don't know that for sure. But, you know, if you're saying whatever. I'm thinking like, where do these people, where, where, where do these people come from? And he meant well. I mean, you can tell the guy, and he obviously had it confused with something. Yeah. You know, whatever. But it wasn't the last game at Connie Max Stadium or whatever. No. But I digress. Um, yeah, I mean, he's an immortal. I mean, what, what, you know, what else? You know, he's, he's. Um, I don't know who would be like the, the, the equitable guy in football because, um, because Scully did a team. Like, he's associated with a team. Team, yeah. He's one of the rare guys who's associated with a team and associated with a sport. Like, you can make the case that Harry Callis was a little like that only because of all the stuff he did with NFL films, but that's a different sport. Right, and it wasn't game it wasn't live game action with NFL films. Right. And then you know, I don't know if there I don't know if there's another guy you can really equate to Vin Scully. The amazing part, I remember I, I read this this morning, but I remember reading this years ago. When CBS promoted John Madden to the lead analyst in 1981, okay, and broke broke up Brookshire and Summerall, okay, as the main play-by-play crew, their original plan was to have Madden work with Vin Scully. Mm -hmm. And Scully and Madden were in the booth, and they were doing half the year, and then... Uh, Summerall will get the second half of the year kind of to see what worked better, but the the uh, executives wanted Scully. And it turned out that the fit between Summerall and Madden were so, was so good that Scully ended up not being part of it, which is interesting to me because you can make the argument that Summerall and Madden are probably the, the gold standard in football broadcasting. Well, look, Summerall, I mean, look, I grew up when Summerall and Brookshire. Right. Because that would have, you know, and they were, the, they were the, I mean, those guys were like, you know, they were kind of the originals. Right. Like for, for that kind of thing, other than Monday Night Football, if you want to go to Howard Cosell. And yeah, I mean, Summerall, you know, and then again, Summerall did the golf too. I mean, you know, people forget that him and Venturi for all those years were, they were the guys. Right. I mean, that was it. So, yeah, I mean, but I, I, I mean, look, when you think of Vin the mid, it's always going to be baseball. baseball. It's not going to be any other sport. And that's how it should be. I mean, well, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, the two most iconic baseball calls of my life were both by Vin. And they are the Buckner play in game six of the 86 World Series and the Gibson Homer in game one of the 88 series. Yeah, but see, to me, the Gibson home run call was better by Buck. Yeah, that it's funny you mention that because Jack Buck did the game on CBS Radio. I guess, yeah, that's the call I remember. I don't remember Vin's call, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> Buck's call was was unbelievable. I don't believe what what well, I just saw. And, and the and the other part was Summerall had. Or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Scully had this uh, this knack and. 
uh, he laid out, in, in, to use a broadcast term, which means he just let the sound take over in some of these big moments. Yeah, because that's the era he grew up in. Right. You know, when, when Buckner, when the ball gets through Buckner's legs and you hear, here comes Knight and the Mets win it, he doesn't say anything for about 90 seconds. Uh, the most legendary case in Scully's career is the Hank Aaron 715th home run off Al Downing yeah. down in Atlanta where he walked away for two minutes. So he didn't say yeah. anything and then came back and obviously gave the, one of the most po- poignant things, a, a standing ovation in the deep south for a black man breaking the record of an all-time legend. Well, so, I mean, Summerall was like that too. Summerall was on yeah. the stage. He didn't really... And that yeah, couldn't that work today either. No, well, it, well... Yeah, I mean, it would be harder. But, but again, I go back to Jack Buck, and, and, and I know a lot of people hate his son because they think he's anti-Philadelphia. Whatever. I don't really care about it. But Jack Buck had the great call, too, and then I believe it was the 91 World Series when Kirby Puckett hits the home run. We'll see you tomorrow night. Six, I believe. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, so Jack Buck, to me, as great as Vin was, and he, he obviously was, but Jack Buck, those two calls by Jack Buck, yeah. Were like they were and within a three year period of each other, I guess, right? 88, 91. Right. Um, but that's, and I thought Jack Buck was an immortal. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I just did. I thought, and there's other guys. We could bring up other names. I mean, look, Harry Callis is an immortal. Yeah. You know, but, but maybe we didn't recognize it as much because we had him and he was ours. I can't imagine if you were a Dodger fan, you listened to Vin for what? 60 years? 67 it? years he was the Dodgers. Yeah, announcer. I mean, you know, he goes back to Brooklyn. Right, you went from Red Barber to Vin Scully, and then Vin Scully now to Joe Davis, who's the national voice of Fox's broadcast of baseball, and yeah. Joe's about he goes 30 back years to old. Brooklyn. Yes. <laughs> Jackie Robinson's second year. His first game was in Philadelphia. Scully's first broadcast as a Dodger announcer was in Philadelphia at Shibe Park in 1950. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 Shibe Park. Yeah. Shibe wasn't even Connie Mack Stadium at that point. It was Shibe yeah. Park still. Yeah, it wasn't even Connie Mack. No, it, it's amazing. You know, yeah, well, hey, look, it's, and, and, that's why there's only a few of those kind of guys. And the world we live in today I don't know if it's going to foster those kind of guys. Well, because I just don't know if the guys will have the longevity that, like, I look at some guys now, like, like Buck's son is still, I mean, he's been doing it for a while. Jim Nance has been doing it for a while. I was just going to say, it's Buck and Nance, and that's about it at this point. Right. But, but again, those guys started 35, 40 years ago. And Mike, I don't know right. if a and, guy Al, and Al Michaels now, would be another one, too. But, Oh, Al Michaels, definitely. Oh, God, no, no. Al Michaels, definitely. I mean, he's way, 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 way up there. Right. But those guys started so long ago. Mm-hmm. You know, Al Michaels was the 1980 Olympic guy, right? Al, Al Michaels was the play-by-play man for the Big Red Machine in the, in the early 70s. Right. So what I'm saying is a guy coming along now and starting, mm-hmm. I just don't know. They might. Like, I look like at a guy like Fransky, who I think is awesome. Will Fransky spend 50 years in the business? I don't think so. Um, he might. I mean, but I just don't think guys, I just think the shelf life for any number of reasons is just not going to be 50, 55, 60 years. I, no, I, I just don't see that happening. But And the fact know. is, and look, this is going to get some groans. There were points at the end of Harry where 
Harry was missing some stuff. He was great in the big moments. That 08, that 08 call to end the World Series is incredible. People get old, Kevin. Right. Scully kept that level almost the entire way. I mean, could did the eyes go a little bit maybe at the end? Maybe. Hey, what do we hear about sports writers? And I won't mention by name. Oh, they lose their fastball. Exactly. And you'll know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Does that mean they weren't good? No, no, but it doesn't mean they won't. No, but, but the mind is look. The mind is not as sharp. It's a it's a task to 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 do it every day. Yeah, to sit in front of that computer, mm-hmm. like if I was still doing it, or in front of I, a microphone, look, right? Yeah, I think I'm pretty. Yeah, I mean, I think I could go out there and cover whatever I needed to cover, and I'm 64. Um, you know, but if I was doing it every day, it might take a toll on me. I don't know that. I got to believe if you're doing 160 baseball games a year, that's a lot. Like, as much as I admire Merle, and Merle's another legend, right? I mean, um, who's been doing it again. But Merle does it 16 times a year. Yeah. 17, yeah. 17 or 18 or whatever. But again, I think that's a lot different than showing up at the ballpark like Tom McCarthy, you know, almost every night, every, you know, game for six months and travel and yeah uh, sure and all that and mm-hmm. you know you got to keep up with what's going on you got to know what you're talking about um and especially in the world we live in now where it's just there's so many talking heads all over the place and and everybody's um critiquing you and oh this guy don't like philadelphia or this guy doesn't do this or this i mean you know remember the monday night crew from a couple of years ago just got scorched yeah you know because um yeah, I'm not sure 60 years ago or 50 years ago, people scorched people. No. I, I, I'm just guessing that they didn't. So if Vin wasn't real good in his first few years or whatever, maybe he got to get over that and get good because nobody, you know, took him to town. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. But um, all I know is in my lifetime, for all the sports I've watched, I've been treated to some, you know, probably 10 or 12 guys who were – and I'm not even counting guys – like, it seemed like every town, like Detroit, Cincinnati, St. Louis, every their baseball guy. town had a guy. Uh, yeah. Was it Jack Brickhouse, I think, wasn't he? Um, he was with the Cubs. You had Ernie Cubs. Harwell with the Dodgers, Marty Brenneman with the Ca- Reds. How about Carey? Harry Carey. Uh, yeah. Euchre's still going with the Brewers. Yeah. Uh, I'm. You know, those guys are – didn't the Mets have some guy who was there a real, real long time? Bob Murphy. And Lindsey yeah, Nelson, okay. yeah, and now Gary Cohen's been there forever too. And the Yankees had Rizzuto, right? For yeah, and you have John Sterling, which is John a different Sterling, class. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. Every city has that. I, the Red Sox probably have had somebody. I'm guessing. Uh, well, the Red Sox had uh, God Ned Martin, Joe Castiglione, okay. uh, Don Orsillo, who does the Padres now. Okay. I mean, they're they're they've had a they've had what, Sean, what Sean the McDonough did Sean McDonough did Red Sox. What was the guy that did the Giants and the Orioles? Oh, John Miller. John Miller. John, is, Miller's, John Miller's as close in my mind. John Miller's as close to Vince Scully as there is. You know, on yeah, and he's club, he's a baseball guy. I mean, yeah. he's associated with baseball. He sure. does. He does nothing else. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um. All right, so that's it. Uh, we'll be back next week, Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on schedules and everything going on. Uh, don't have a guest lined up yet. Going to work on getting it. Maybe we'll talk some Eagles next week. Do you have your uh, training camp uh, practice? Wasn't stats? this our wasn't this our two hundredth show? This was our two hundredth show. Okay, just thought okay. I forgot to mention that. Um, any thoughts on your on our two hundred? No, I have no thoughts at all. Except 
when we make 200 cents, then I'll be happy. <laughs> I'll get you two dollars. <laughs> yeah, I, I trust me, I don't need it. Um, but yeah, thank you to what everybody. Were you, gonna, you what were you, you going to ask me some question about preseason football or some crap? Well, I was asking if you've been keeping up to date on the training camp stats being tweeted. Why uh, exactly? That's what I figured. No, I mean, I, like, I'm kidding. I don't, yeah, care. I know you're kidding, but there are people who don't kid about that, which is to me. You know, whatever, whatever makes you happy. You know, like, it's like people that read into spring training, like when Mickey Moniak, you know, went nuts for two weeks and people had him in the Hall of Fame. Okay. And look, maybe if Mickey hadn't got injured, maybe he actually would have had a good year. I don't know this. But again, it doesn't matter. You know, I go back to Sam Bradford. Uh, whatever. You know, 10 for 10 against the Packers' third string defense and everybody had him in Canton. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. It, it works that way when you line up against Detroit and you line up in this week two against the Vikings and week three against the Commanders. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Kudos I, I, for remembering the Commanders. Yeah, I'm fair, I am fairly optimistic that this team is going to be a 10 or 11 win team, okay. a playoff team. Maybe a division winner, depending on what Dallas is, is like. You know, we've already seen injuries across the NFL that are, you know, messing teams up a week into the training camp. Um, but again, and I think Jalen's going to be better this year. Mm-hmm. But the question is, will he be good enough that the Eagles can look themselves in the eye after the season and say, yeah, we're going to give this guy money and make him our quarterback. And I think to do that, they almost have to win a playoff game. I, I I just think making the playoffs, unless he looks really, really good, but I don't think he's going to look. The worst, the, the best thing that can happen to the Eagles this year is they win 11 games, win the division, win a playoff game, and Jalen looks like he's like a top 12, you know, 12 to 15 quarterback. The second best thing that can happen to the Eagles is Jalen stinks. Because then they can just cut bait and say, hey, he's not good enough. The worst thing that can happen to the Eagles is they win nine or ten games, sneak into the playoffs, Jalen looks okay, and they lose in the playoffs. Then what do you do? I, I don't know. I, I think they I don't know. No, I don't but know. But that's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah, it is. Is that they, they're just, you know, like the Phillies kind Like, we look at the Phillies kind of that way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good, but, you know, we're not sure how good. And that's a bad place to be. Because you're in, like, purgatory, and, I mean, it's like we've been talking about the Sixers for, like, the last four years, right? Yeah. And they're good, you know, but they're second-round good. I mean, you know, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, finally, uh, it's a personal note on my end. Uh, thank you to everyone who's reached out. Uh, saw my Twitter thing about my mom, who is still in the hospital, uh, still going through some treatments. She's She's rallied. Um, she's come out of ICU, which is good. And, um, you know, I appreciate it. My family appreciates it and, uh, love you, mom. I know you listen every week and, uh, keep fighting. So she's the one that listens. She is the one. God bless her. <laughs> and she's not paying Mike. <laughs> That's okay. No, I should, I should pay her. It's the other way around. <laughs> uh, thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Okay, babe. All right, and hey, by our by our two hundred and first show, yeah, she'll be home. How's yes. that? Let's let's hope. That's a bold prediction on my part. 
well, the numbers keep getting better, so that's good. So. Or close to being home. Let me put let me put that. Close to being home. Close to being home. I would take that. So. Okay. All right. Thank you, Michael. You got it, babe. Take care. Our thanks to Angelo Cataldi for joining us. And our thanks to you for joining us. Have a great rest of the week. Football's coming, folks. This has been working to be. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine park. Avenue. You had the Dom Perignon in your hand.